long weekend. Yes, there are only three NFL games left to bet on this season. And then on to the United Football League. Yes, finally we'll get our wish. Don't let the sarcastic applause fool you. We are getting depressed around here, but we have a job to do. That's to give out winners two games on Sunday. We're going to break down the AFC and NFC championship games with the D3 from our Against All Odds podcast, Harry, Brother Bry, and Darren the Parley Kid. That's right. They're all going to be joining us. Grab some popcorn. It usually ends in an all-out brawl. Speaking of, the WWE Royal Rumble takes place Saturday night in Tampa, and we've got none other than the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, joining us to talk about trying to go back-to-back and I give him some pointers on how to win this thing. You know, I'm a retired, undefeated wrestler myself, so he'd be wise to listen. And have you heard about this color-coordinating conspiracy around the Super Bowl participants? I'm going to draw my own chromatic conclusions coming up in WagerAger. But first, let's recap this week's big NFL headlines in this segment that is rumored to be making a surprise appearance during Usher's Super Bowl halftime show. It's Cover 4! <laughs> Hey, Detroit Lions fans, congratulations. You've been waiting forever, and now the roar is just about restored. It's all a lot of fun. Everyone's rooting for this team, and if you don't believe me, check out this make-believe map. It's exciting. The Lions are the feel-good story, and I'm all for the biting the kneecaps and calling your team gritty. We get it. Detroit's a Honolulu blue-collar team, but Coach Dan Campbell took things a little too far when he went after Tinseltown the other day. You know, it's not the first thing you think of if you go to L.A. or just in general, right? You got the sun, you got the beach, you got plenty of other things going on. And here, man, man, it's harsh winters, right? Auto industry, blue-collar, um... Things aren't always easy, um, and I just think that's what we're about. Ouch, Detroit is in L.A.? No Hollywood feel, huh? Well, your sideline would say differently. Last Sunday, Ford Field had more stars than an Ocean's Eleven movie. Eminem, Jeff Daniels, Taylor Lautner, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Bob Seger, and of course, Flavor Flav. I'm sorry, did the Lions play on green turf or a red carpet? Dan, you can be gritty, but you aren't the grittiest. Everyone knows the Lions play in a dome. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. Okay, almost everyone. The point is, if you're going to be known as the grittiest, come January, your team and your fans need to be braving the elements outdoors. Cleveland's dog pound has frostbitten paws for years. Pittsburgh's windshield had the Heinz bottle serving up frozen ketchup. And worst of all, Buffalo Bills fans line up to manually plow a stadium they know their team is going to lose in. While Bills fans are shoveling snow, Lions fans are shoveling down sandwiches. Look at this guy piling up a Megatron-sized meal. Nice job creating your own obstructed view seat and for giving new meaning to 8 Mile. That's not gritty, that's just gross. All right, more about those Bills fans. You know, my heart goes out to these people. A kick going wide right and ending their season in the playoffs is like Chris Rock getting slapped again at the Oscars, but this time by Morgan Freeman. This wasn't nearly as bad as the OG Scott Norwood, but it was still a wide right kick to the testicles of Buffalo. In fact, anytime Bills fans hear the words wide right, they must lose their minds. It's a constant reminder, like hearing the name of an ex or being offered free ice cream if you're lactose intolerant. And when Tyler Bass's kick sailed right, Jim Nance didn't waste any time going straight for the jugular. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. 
And at that exact moment, thousands of Bills fans dove headfirst into the nearest flaming table, hoping to knock themselves unconscious and hibernate until training camp. Can you imagine wide right are the two words most associated with your city? Cleveland has Cleveland Rocks, Nashville has Music City, Vegas, Sin City, New York, Big Apple, Buffalo, wide right. Even the word right kickstarts depressions. It's a trigger word in Buffalo. You have to be careful saying stuff like, make a right on Main Street. Two wrongs don't make a right. You gotta fight for your right to party has been lifted from record stores. I heard that Buffalo lawmakers banned Tinder in the area because it was causing PTSD anytime anyone had to swipe right. Well, Bills fans, your pal Sal is here for you, and that's why I'm starting a wide right support group. Our first order of business, making sure Tyler Bass Fishing takes a wide left out of town and keeps going south until he hits Miami. Our second order of business is to make these guys the local play-by-play dudes. Tyler Bass. Oh! Hilarious and way easier for Bills fans to stomach when you have no idea what they're saying, right? Cover three. All right, let's talk about the most valuable player last weekend. No, not Lamar Jackson. I don't care what the FanDuel odds say. Last weekend's MVP was a man by the name of Jason Daniel Kelsey. Did you catch this beautiful specimen and his antics on Sunday? Amazing. Look at him. As a Cowboys fan, I hate anything Philly related, but I'll tell you, I haven't liked an Eagle this much since Don Henley. Did I steal that from Chris Berman? Guilty. All right, whatever. The point is, I am a Jason Kelsey fan now. I mean, there he was, hanging out with Brittany Mahomes in what has now become known as Taylor Swift's suite. Drunk, topless, freezing. For one night, he managed to bring Mardi Gras to Buffalo. And it didn't stop there. Kelsey pulled a young fan towards the suite so that she could meet Taylor Swift. He was making dreams come true while creating a potential nightmare for stadium security. He really did it all. Jason Kelsey was a tour de force, a man on a Michelob mission, and I almost feel Taylor Swift orchestrated the whole thing. She probably realized that people were getting bored of the cutaways to her and BFF Britney. Yeah, the country was experiencing a little Tay-Tay fatigue, and so what'd she do? She got on the phone and said, hey, I need some help. Get me the intoxicated brother and make sure he's exposing some frozen nipples ASAP. However it went down, it was a spectacular effort by Jason Kelsey. I'm all in on trailer now. In fact, I swear I'd pay $79.99 to watch their wedding on pay-per-view just to hear the best man speech in the rare event that Jason survived the bachelor party. Bring it on. Number four. All right, well, Kelsey's the MVP. The LVP of the weekend has to be yours truly. I mean, I went 0-4 in the divisional round, but I wasn't the only one who lost focus. Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick's thoughts were elsewhere last week, and no one's going to tell me otherwise. You may have heard Slowick prepared for the number one seed Ravens and their number five ranked defense by taking an interview with the Tennessee Titans. Yes, what better way to plot a scoring scheme to keep up with Lamar Jackson than by jumping on a Zoom for three hours to answer questions like, hey, how would you best utilize the talents of Will Levis? I assume these interviews are three hours. Some are supposedly longer, and that doesn't even include the prep time it takes to get ready for the interview. Probably another seven or eight hours. So that's half a day out of Bobby Slowick's most important week as an offensive coordinator. But it all paid off as aside from the big punt return, Texans scored a whopping three offensive points. And that's not all. They also had five false starts. So Houston, they had a problem putting up points. And now their players are out with the rest of us on their couches, pretending we care about how Margot Robbie was snubbed. 
These premature interviews are just not acceptable. Certainly not when I have a bunch of loot on the Texans plus nine and a half and their offense looks like it's trudging through quicksand. Are there no limitations to this poaching process? Like, what's stopping Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Monken from taking an interview during halftime of the Super Bowl? Here's my solution. You cannot take an interview during a playoff week while you're still employed by a playoff team. Period. Just wait until the season is over. It's only a couple more weeks. In the meantime, you can rely on references. They could even call me. I would have given Bobby Slowick a great endorsement until he screwed me last week. And now, sorry, Bobby, my Yelp review ain't going to help. Next time, cover the spread, and I'll cover your back. All right, that does it for cover four. Now it's time for my irrationally angry attempt to make rational sense of a somewhat irrational bet. It's Wager Rager. All right, I guess I finally have to acknowledge this JFK-level conspiracy, which was apparently set forth by the NFL. This one involves the colors of this year's Super Bowl logo. Have you seen this? Let's take a look. There it is. The colors are clearly red and purple, and which also clearly in some people's heads means the 49ers and Ravens were destined to meet in the Super Bowl months ago when the logo was created. And to make matters even more mysterious, the previous two Super Bowl logos yielded the exact color combo of the teams that played in the big game. Last year was red and green, which worked out nicely when the Chiefs and Eagles met up. And the year before, yellow and orange, I guess, which had people freaked out when the Rams and Bengals played in the championship game. And this whole color conspiracy was brought to my attention by my friend Harry at the beginning of the season. He firmly believes in this, but he also believes that Tabasco sauce cures strep throat, so I didn't give it much thought. But now a lot of seemingly normal people are standing by the pigskin plot, and I mean a lot. They're convinced that the 49ers and Ravens were predestined to meet up in two weeks, and let's forget for a second that half the league's teams are Falcons, the Cardinals, the Bills, the Patriots, Texans, and more have red in their uniforms. Put that to the side for a second. The other thing is, what would be the point of the NFL letting the fans know who's in the Super Bowl back in August? Were the ratings just too high and Roger Goodell's hand was forced? And so if the diehards know the results, they'll become disinterested and not bother watching the games? Is that, is that what we're talking about here? Honestly, what's the point of presenting this massive Easter egg? This is not Lost or Breaking Bad where people argue on Reddit all day about little clues that do or don't exist. The league is not trying to shoot their cash cow in the face. If they did, they'd do away with the combine altogether. Since the players and coaches don't matter, the big money contracts would be given to the real needle movers, the graphic artists picking the color schemes over the summer. Look, I have no proof that this isn't a valid conspiracy. I will say this, though. You want to completely dispel the myth? Next year, make the colors navy, blue, and silver, and then wait to see who gets to the Super Bowl. I guarantee it'll shut everyone up. How about him, Cowboy? Except, of course, for Jimmy. All right, that's the rager. Here's the wager. I've got a color for you. Brown, as in St. Brown, as in Amon St. Brown to amass over 84 and a half receiving yards. Yes, I know he put up a paltry 77 versus the Bucks last week on eight catches, but he went well over 85 in each of his previous five games, and the Lions look to be playing from behind, so go to FanDuel right now because this is the only color conspiracy that has legs. Brown makes green, and we cash. 
Hey, we've got a conference championship worthy show for you today. Coming up, the Chiefs are underdogs again. Will I or any of the D3 take the reigning champs in Baltimore on Sunday? And later on, I have an interesting Royal Rumble strategy for Cody Rhodes. Will he take my advice? Stick around for lots more on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. All right, welcome Woo! back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. We've got WWE superstar Cody Rhodes coming up in just a bit. He's getting ready for the Royal Rumble on Saturday night. But right now, a sports betting Sunday this big means we had to call in the entire D3, our very own Bills Mafia. And by that, I mean Bill Simmons. They've been with us all season. My wizards of wagering, my gurus of gambling, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the D3, Harry, Brother Brian, Darren, the Parley Kid. What is happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? What's up, Sal? What's going on, buddy? Little sing-songy thing we do to kick things off. Guys, you remember, well, you remember last week when Jason Kelsey went shirtless from the suite there in Buffalo, but I want to remind you that he wasn't the first to pull off this move. Remember, Harry did this. Our very own Harry did this at the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl a couple years ago. Let's look at this clip. Now, it wasn't 10 degrees at SoFi like it was in Orchard Park, but by the look of those nipples, still pretty chilly. Harry, what happened? You didn't go to Oregon State or Utah State, and from what I recall, you didn't hit the open. Why did, why did you take your shirt off besides getting ketchup on it, maybe? I don't know. Listen, I was trying to get things getting, uh, trying to get things going here. Look, ex-Bengal and ex-Seahawk, uh, TJ, TJ Husmanzada, the Utah <laughs> State band, and the and their fans couldn't get enough of H-Dog after dark. I don't know. Now, what can I say? Uh, I'm a trailblazer. Jason Kelsey is great. I'm honored. I am honored that he followed in my footsteps of doing such a thing. Okay, I don't think anyone understood that sentence. The way you botched TJ Hushmanzada and uh, Trailblay, all that other stuff. All right, but anyway, let's actually, let's bring up a split screen of Harry and Jason here. And Brian, Darren, um, maybe you could tell us, Darren, who didn't wear it best in your estimation? I'll tell you what, Sal, I got to give the edge to H-Dog here because when you have a professional athlete that is built like Harry, Got to give the edge to the common man right there. Okay. Harry All right. Got it. Got All right, good. That guy's a professional athlete. He shouldn't look like Harry. Come on. That's true. Give me a break. Bri, do you agree with your brother? Uh, no, I don't, because I will say, <laughs> if you guys remember, if you recall, we lost a lot of money that day because of Harry's bet. I think yes. he, had the, he had the over in that game. It went way uh -huh. under, so I'm, I'm not giving credit to Harry for anything he did that day. Yeah, can we get that up again, that picture? I don't know if we're able to do this. But, what, Harry, I need to know, did you inspire the, the boys in the back to do the same as you, or did they inspire you? And keep in mind, there is no right answer here. I, I, don't, have, I don't have an answer for you. Sir. Good. Okay, that's probably smart. All right, let's get to the games. After all, that's what we're here for. Baltimore kicking things off at home, a three-and-a-half-point favorite versus Kansas City, Kansas City coming to town. I can't believe that hasn't dipped to three. A lot of public action on Kansas City, but the Sharps are keeping this at three and a half. I would think it would go to three. Six straight AFC championship appearances for the Chiefs. Mahomes has insane numbers straight up and against the spread as an underdog. That's why I think they can't make it any bigger than three, but it is bigger than three because the odds makers realize that the Ravens are superior beyond the home field beyond everything, I am taking Baltimore. And it's weird to say that 
Mahomes has become a system quarterback, but he's kind of just going through the motions, getting it done, not screwing up. 17 for 23 last week. I don't think that's going to work this week. Kansas City's been impressive defensively, but most of that is against the pass. The key is, can the Ravens and will they run the ball? They're third in EPA on the ground. I think we get a big day out of Jackson. I get We get a big day out of the Ravens running backs. Chiefs have injuries all over the place, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers. I think this is going to be one of those games where you're like, yeah, this is no fun. The Chiefs never have the ball. And at the end of the night, you're going to see the Ravens have the lead, emerge victorious. MVP Lamar Jackson takes it home 30-17. to Wow. I can't believe I'm taking it, Parley Kid. I'm going against Mahomes now. Give me all the Mahomes as an underdog stats. Yeah, well, so I... You just said it. You can't believe it's sitting at three and a half, right? You can't believe it. It's too good to be true if you want to take the Chiefs. So I got to take the Chiefs here, Sal, getting three and a half. Sal Mahomes, 13 and three in the playoffs. Lamar, two and three. And so you know I'm actually on – I like the Ravens in a way maybe to win this game. I think Mm. it's too many points. I have the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, 20 to one, Sal. I had Lamar to get MVP. I'm all over this team. However – would we bet against Brady getting three and a half? This is the modern day Brady. This is the this 2024 Brady. We would always take Brady getting three and a half. I can't go against Mahomes here. This is too many points. And this Kansas City defense is stout, Sal. Doesn't get the credit it deserves. It will show up to play in this game against the Ravens. Let's take Kansas City getting the three and a half points. All right. Yeah, it's a it's a weird game. I'll agree. I just Bry, I know you're gonna go along with uh Darren here. You're taking the Chiefs plus the points. I just I'm so impressed with the, what the Ravens have done against a tough schedule, right? They beat Cleveland, they beat Detroit, they beat Green Bay, they beat Miami, the uh they beat the Rams, they beat Houston twice and San Francisco. Tough task right here for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs regardless. And the Ravens have been impressive. They've dominated all, all season long. But have we? do we not have a large enough sample size here with the Chiefs in the playoffs? Mahomes 13-3 and three in his playoff career, 11-5 and five against the spread. And he always covers as a road underdog. I think he's 9-0-1 against the spread as a road underdog. So to me, you have to take the points. Don't make the mistake. He's going to make enough plays in this game. I... You know, I, I think you thought it was a little pedestrian last week by Mahomes. I thought he was he was outstanding in that game, even though his numbers weren't huge. He's going to make enough plays. The Chiefs' defense will make enough adjustments during the game to limit the run game. I think they stay within this three three and a half. So. All right. Ravens don't play Mahomes every week, but they have averaged a league low 5.2 per pass attempt. Uh, all right, Harry, what are you doing here? I feel like we shouldn't be on the same side. We've both been bad all throughout the playoffs. You're going with me, kind of. Kind of. I, you know me. I, when it comes to games, especially in the playoffs, I don't like laying points. So I'm going to lay three here, not three and a half. I'm going to buy the half here. I'm going to take Baltimore. But Mahomes, when pressured this year, when pressured, five touchdown passes, six picks. Buffalo couldn't do that last week. Baltimore did it against Stroud and the Texans, and they're going to be able to do it again this week against Kansas City. John Harbaugh's squad, first in rushing in the league. First in points allowed this season. Lamar looked fantastic. You mentioned he had 100 yards last week on the ground. Uh, three times in five playoff games, he's gone for 100 or more. Kansas City just 18th against the rush this year. The Ravens pounded the ball last week for 229 yards on the ground. Uh, I think they do something similar like that again against Kansas City, who was beat up, like you mentioned, Sal. Um, 
Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, fantastic defensive defensive players for the Ravens. I think they have huge games. I got the Ravens winning this one. Listen, I got them winning 26-16. Yeah, they're covering, but again, I don't I want to lay that three and a half. I hate that. First of all, guess what? You have to lay the three and a half. If the rest of us are doing it, you don't you buying it. You don't have money to buy half a point. You're one and nine in the playoffs. Right, you have no money. You spent all your money on Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Shrimp. So I think you have to get the three and a half. Babyface right, likes that one. That's he likes fine. that joke. Now it's all right. We made the graphic already. There's nothing we could do about it. Uh, Mark Andrews coming back could be a key cog, yep. even if he's just uh, Bry, even if he's just like a decoy in there. That is pretty big, right? Yeah. No. I, look, Andrews. I, I think you, there's some value there of him scoring a touchdown. I think it's around plus two fifty. Uh, I think he does open things up for their offense. Even I think likely will benefit a little bit too from Andrews being back. All right, now let's go over some props here. I'm not doing you any favors with this one, but the VIG did move on me here. I'm going to take a defensive prop. Justin Reed over five and a half tackles. Chief safety here, minus 172. I'm sorry, but he had eight last week against the Bills. He does well against the playoff teams too, for what it's worth. Nine against Green Bay, seven versus Philly. He's a big game player. He had seven in the Super Bowl last year. And I'm starting to get defensive over my picks because they've been so bad. So I might as well take a defensive player prop here. This is up to six in a lot of books. Uh, I think five and a half paying a little more big or maybe a lot more big. Find a dance partner for it, parlay with with another player prop if you want. It's worth it. The Stanford grad notches a half a dozen tackles or more on Sunday. All right, parlay kid, what do you have here? I had this one last week uh, in in one of the AFC matchups and it won. Tell us what you like. Yeah, so, so I have both teams to score one-plus rushing TDs and one-plus passing TDs in this game at plus 290. There's no team that's more balanced in this area than the Ravens. Uh, 26 rushing TDs on the year, 27 passing TDs on the, year, on the year. They get this done on a consistent basis. The Chiefs, on the other hand, 28 passing touchdowns this year, much lower on the rushing touchdowns. However... Pacheco has scored six touchdowns on the ground in his last six games. He's been hot, and they've been really had a great balance so far in the playoffs between their pass and the run last week, at least, against the Bills. And Pacheco's been a major factor here down the stretch. I think he gets into the end zone. I'm sure Mahomes is going to throw one, too. So both teams, one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown, and I hit a plus 290. So right. Yeah, I did this for the Bills and Chiefs last week. And it was I think it was a little more, like 340 or something. Yeah, it's weird because in the past, we had to worry about the Chiefs rushing touchdown. That right. seems to be a, a guarantee now with Pacheco at the goal line. Used to be a little shuffle pass from two yards Absolutely. out or something. You get screwed. But uh, you're probably going to get locked in there uh, pretty easily. All right, uh, Brother Bry, Justin Tucker. No one mentions him anymore, right? Although, I guess if you're playing plus three and a half, you could see it coming down to a Justin Tucker field goal at the end. Yeah, I, cert- I certainly could, Sal. But I'm taking Tucker over seven and a half points. Uh, look, where the Chiefs don't get enough credit, I think, especially this season, is limiting the damage, right, in the red zone on defense. We saw this against Buffalo early in that game last week against the Bills. They kept them out of the end zone in that first drive, forced them to kick a field goal. I do think the Ravens, I, I think both teams are going to move the ball well. Not necessarily a lot of points, uh, not necessarily a lot of punts, I should say. But I think you're going to see a lot of field goals in this game. I definitely think Tucker's getting at least two here. If he gets to two, obviously you need two touchdowns here. But a lot of field goals by both teams over seven and a half points is my play. 
All right. By the way, we're we're giving another prop here, Harry. We're busting with props here. It, it took a lot of lot of dedication and focus to figure out which <laughs> props we want to give out in just a limited amount of time because we're bet we're betting like we play wide receiver for LSU here, Harry. Right? What do you got for your prop? Yeah, I didn't go with a minus one seventy two here, Sal. I went with a minus one twelve though. I got <laughs> Justin Hill over forty. I didn't either. Go ahead. <laughs> I got Justin Hill. Uh, Justice Hill, Justice Hill over 49 and a half rushing and receiving yards for the Ravens at minus 112. Hill at sneaky times can be very good. He had a team high 13 carries last week and he had two receptions for a total of 77 yards versus Houston. Hill had a combined over 100 yards uh, in that Ravens 56-19 debacle blowout game against the Dolphins on New Year's Eve. He actually has gone over 50 yards rushing receiving combined in three straight games that mattered. That game at the end of the season against Pittsburgh, he didn't play much. Uh, so Hill plays an integral part for the Ravens versus Andy Reid's Chiefs and goes over 49, 49 and a half rushing and receiving yards. Now. All right, you see what he did there, Parley Kid? He said Justin Hill and Justice Hill. So then if one of them gets over 49, I don't even know if there's a Justin Hill out there. Yes, exactly. He's got a double dipping is what you call it. What do you expect? All right, that does it for the AFC. The D3 is going to stick around. Coming up after the break, we'll tackle the NFC Championship as the Lions look to kneecap their magical season with a trip to the Super Bowl. And later on, Cody Rhodes joins us to talk WWE, Royal Rumble. How does he feel being an underdog to CM Punk? We're going to ask him. That's all next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. I have my very own three amigos joining me, the D3, Harry, Darren, the Parlor Kid, and Brother Bry. Harry and I, I'm going to admit to everyone right now, it's not like something I like to say out loud, but we are one and nine. Uh, yes, I know. It's disgusting. I got six saying it. One and nine. There have been 10 playoff games. We've each covered one of them. And uh, Harry, I don't have any excuses. I think you have like 20 or 30. You want to give us your top excuse as to why we're no, I really up. don't I, I mean you guys made a point the other day that you know if uh if Tampa Bay makes that two-point conversion I'd be owing 10 I'll I'll zip my lip and take it and take one and nine as of right now heading oh. into all right this is rare everybody I hope you appreciate it he's zipping his lip uh and a couple of his chins too all right so but listen here's what we have to do <laughs> we have to punish one of us probably both of us now the parley kid Brother Brian. Brian, you've been great, right? Aren't you like 15 and 7 just on TV the last two times you've come on? I should... uh, 16 and 5, I Look think, at the that. last two times I came on, and I'm 6 and 4 against Wow, the what a braggart. I mean, can we shut him up ever? No, that's great. So it's not all bad, but it is with me and Harry. So what we're going to do is we have this thing called the cap of consequences, and the consequences are not usually good. And what we do is we reach into a hat, and these are consequences written usually by babyface Joel Solomon. And they're usually very embarrassing things that would get you fired for most jobs. Not this one, of course. It basically gets you promoted. But Harry, are you up for it? One of us being one and nine, we're going to finish with a dismal record either way. But one of us is going to be worse than the other. Are you ready for this? We're going to do this next week. Being one and nine each, we have to do this, right? We have to do this. And me and you have also gone head to head once before, and I actually beat you. So let's do it again. You did. All right. I'll give you some examples of the cap of consequences. We, I lost, I don't know, it was a college baseball game. Was it LSU against Florida? Was that what it was? Yeah. And Florida won. And so I had to eat fried alligator. Florida lost. I had to eat fried alligator from your armpit, right? That yeah. was not pleasant. We unshowered, once, unshowered, by the we way. We had a guy wear dirty COVID masks that we gathered from around the city on his head for a day. 
Um, Mikey Meatballs, it was a lift in a lift. He lost uh, Kappa Consequence. He had to work out all day in a lift uh, as the driver uh, looked on in stunned uh, amazement. Anyway, let's get going with this NFC matchup. I think this is where Harry and I are going to differ. San Francisco home, seven-point favorite, 51.5 is the over-under. Detroit comes to town. 49ers just got by Green Bay. I had them last week. It wasn't happening. They weren't covering the spread, but they won by the slightest of margins. Lucky, lucky, lucky to advance. Detroit, not as lucky because they look good against the Bucs. Um, I wish it was less simple than this, but really it's it's kind of the T.J. Watt stat or trend for the Steelers. Like the Niners are 12-1 straight up and 10-3 and against the spread when Debo starts and finishes the game, but 1-4 straight up and 0-5 and against the spread when he doesn't. That comes from Evan Abrams on X. Uh, and so that's it. So I think he had limited practice on Thursday. He's going to make a go of it, I believe. I'm taking the 49ers here. I said the Lions weren't lucky, but they did allow 408 yards of offense to the Tampa Bay Bucks. That's what I want to focus on. That's why I think the 49ers will be able to run it up. Brock Purdy's going to have a big game. The, uh, this Lions secondary allowed 725 yards to Baker and Stafford in the last two playoff games. Purdy has his way, not, not expecting any rain, no precipitation, no changing gloves, adding gloves, subtracting gloves. I think McCaffrey goes big, Purdy goes big, Lions playing catch-up all game. 29-20, uh, 49ers, Shanahan 5-0 and in the playoffs at home. They keep it going, 29-20. All right, Parley Kid, you're with me with the minus 7. Yeah, I'm with you here, South, the minus 7. And like you said, I think Debo is obviously a huge factor here, but I think he does give it a go and as long as he's out on the field, and even if he could serve a bit as a decoy for that game, he's still going to make San Francisco a better team. And let's face it, there's been a lot of Brock Purdy slander for some reason over the last several weeks. I know, you don't like it. Some, yep. And I don't like it. And I think he has a monster game this week. I think his receivers have really uh, come to his defense, and I think they're going to rally around him. And I'm expecting a big-time performance from Purdy and South. Detroit now going to San Francisco. They're used to playing on that fast, artificial surface. Coming here to the real turf, I think they're going to be a little slower in this game. I think San Francisco here, so I think they shook off the rust in mm -hmm. that Green Bay Packers game after having a couple weeks off for several of their players at least, and they rebound with a monster performance here against the Detroit Lions. Let's take San Francisco giving the points. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, defense and offense, they, they were slow out of the gate last week. I don't expect a repeat performance. Uh, by the way, you were talking about home versus away. The Goff home away splits are pretty significant. Two and a half touchdown yep. passes per game at home, only one on the road. So there is a difference. All right, Brother Brian, let's go to you. You're taking a half timeline here. This moved in your favor. Yeah, then I'm taking Detroit plus four and a half first half. It was three and a half, so so good for me right now. Uh, but it, look, I think this is a tough game to pick, but I do like the energy that the Lions play with. And I could see the 49ers. This is a game I could see 49ers maybe pulling away late. But I think the Lions are in this game early, Sal. They, sometimes they seem to be shot out of the cannon in some of these games, playing really fast, really well. Even defensively, they play a little bit better early on. And I think Purdy could be... Could be a little rusty early on, especially not having Debo in practice this week. So I think Lions make this a game for at least a half. I, I think this score at halftime is like 17-14, Sal. So. All right, Harry, you're playing the total in this game. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over 51 and a half. Obviously, uh, 
going one and nine, not the best record you'll ever see. That's for sure. But you guys know before the, before the season started on against all odds, I did give out my lions, my lions out to make it to the NFC championship game. They've done that. I don't want to jinx them in any way. So what I'm going to do here is it's going to go with the over Shanahan and San Francisco, obviously extremely fortunate last week to pull off. Their game against Green Bay and Green Bay was probably the better team there. I know the health of Debo, you guys just mentioned, is a huge factor. I'm banking on him playing in San, Francisco, San Francisco's offense looking a lot better. Brandon Ayuk had over 1,300 yards this season, but had just three catches and 32 yards versus the Packers. He needs to play a much bigger role on Sunday. Goff has looked great. Three touchdowns, no picks in the playoffs so far. Uh and he's got extra incentive, too. He's from Northern California. Dan Campbell's going to have his team ready. The Lions are averaging 28 points a game in the playoffs so far. And I think the X factor here could be Jameer Gibbs. He got the burn last week, Sal, a lot more than Montgomery did. He's got four catches in both playoff games. He scored in both playoff games. And he scored in six of his last seven games. I got somebody winning in Santa Clara. I don't know who. Somebody winning in Santa Clara, 31-27. Yeah, you see, here's the thing, 31-27. Do you realize, Parley Kid, are you catching the vibes of what a phony and what a fraud Harry is? He's taking the Lions as his team all year. Oh, I hate giving points. You know I hate giving points. Well, here's seven for you, Harry. Your favorite team, your team that you think is going to win the Super Bowl, you won't even take them plus seven? What a phony. Unbelievable. At one nine, I can't help it. <laughs> you can't help nine. it. Pick your favorite team. At plus seven, you're getting points. Bri, isn't this ridiculous? Yeah, well, look, this is a guy who was on the Vikings last year. Vikings yeah. were his favorite team last year, maybe the year before, and a Lions. So, you know, you can't take it too seriously. Listen, I don't. Um, and by the way, I have, I should mention, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a teaser guy. I'm a taser guy, too. I used to tase people, uh, coworkers at the man show. I had a little taser. Sometimes it was consensual. A lot of times it wasn't. But the <laughs> teasers jump right out at me, Parlay Kid. And I feel like Kansas City plus nine and a half, San Francisco minus one is going to be the prettiest girl at the dance. What? Who screws that up? I don't think anybody screws that wow. up. Sal. I think that's a winner. That's 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 good. I think we're all going to be well. You and I, and probably Brother Bry, will be on that. I guess Harry, because he's going to be rooting. Uh, we don't know who which knows way what he's, he's going to do. Rooting I, I can't even tell anymore. Restore yeah. the roar. Yeah, restore the roar. Go ahead, restore Harry. The- bet the team. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, the books got crushed last week. I mean, every every possible <laughs> like result went against them, right? Because you could tease everything. Yeah. You had favorites winning all over the place. And the one that didn't, I'm not sure everybody was on Buffalo anyway. But anyway, all right, let's hit our prop here. I'm going same game parlay. McCaffrey and Gibbs both score touchdowns plus 218. I feel like this is a horse race where you pick an exacta with a big favorite and tie it to another horse. Will FanDuel get mad if we talk horse racing? I think they can branch out a little bit, right? All right. McCaffrey, big favorite, 320 with good reason. He scored a touchdown in 14 out of 17. Meanwhile, I'm putting him alongside Gibbs, who scored in both playoff games and six of his last seven overall. Like I said, you get plus 218 with that. Parley Kid, you got a Gibbs prop as well. Yeah, you just, uh, Harry mentioned Gibbs. You've mentioned Gibbs. I'm taking Gibbs over nine and a half carries. Uh, it's kind of weird that he only had nine carries last week, uh, eight carries the week before. Mm-hmm. But heading down the stretch of the regular season, he was double digits in five straight games. And now, look, this is the time the Detroit Lions have to really break a guy like Gibbs out. He might just be their most dynamic offensive player, and they're going to need the speed in this game of Jamar Gibbs. Let's take Gibbs over nine and a half carries at minus 132, Sal. So. 
All right, Brian, I had Ayuk all over the place last week, and he let me down. It was raining, and Purdy couldn't get, you know, in sync with him, but maybe different this week? Yeah, we'll jump back on. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking him over 80 and a half receiving yards. I'm all for going against this line secondary. Look, they have routinely, for this is like, this is like six or seven weeks, it feels like. They've been giving up 350 to 400 yards to opposing QBs. And I think for Ayuk, that's that's a huge benefit here, especially not really knowing Debo's status. And, and Debo could be used in the backfield a little bit more anyway. But look, we saw what Mike Evans did against them. We saw what Puka did against them, right? We saw what C.D. Lamb did against them going for over 200 yards. I think 80 and a half is really low here. And I think Ayuk has a monster game. All right, Harry. Wow, you're taking a Lions player prop. Good for you. You must really like this team. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Goff over 255 and a half passing yards. Salad minus 114. I mentioned Goff's going back home, born and raised 85 miles from Levi Stadium. He's been great, completing over 74 percent of his passes in the playoffs. He's averaging 282 yards a game. 255 and a half yards seems actually kind of low, considering what you guys are saying is that thinking Detroit will have to come from behind and they'll have to pass a lot. And he's eclipsed that number six games in a row. Five of those were higher than 270. Mm. All right, listen, we're up against the clock. I don't want to piss off uh, Cody Rhodes. Let's really quick, 10 seconds each, give a miscellaneous prop here. I'll start. Lamar Jackson, most rushing yards on the weekend on Sunday, plus 390. As Harry said, at least 103 of the last five. He had over 100 versus Indy, 97 versus Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to do that. I love that. Uh, and you can hedge if he has a good game in the second game. Harry, go ahead. What do you like? Let's do each team. Each team gets at least one field goal on Sunday at minus 105. Sal, this is a fun one. Every team last week had at least one field goal. And this week, Moody for San Francisco, seven attempts in his last five games. There's been six field goals in the Lions playoff games. Justin Tucker is automatic, as we know, and he's had at least one field goal in eight straight playoff games. And Harrison Butker of the Kansas City Chiefs is six for six in this year's playoffs. And how about this? He's got 14 field goals in his last four games. All right, Brian, what do you got? Yeah, look, I'm taking Purdy, Mahomes, and Jackson to combine for six-plus passing touchdowns at plus 125. I think this 49ers-Lions game is going to be very high scoring. I could see Purdy throwing for three in this game. That means three for just the other guys. And even if he gets two, this is still a solid play at plus 125. Parley kid, bring us home. Yeah, I love it, brother, bro. I love that one. Uh, I got each team to score two-plus touchdowns in these championship games. High-scoring games all around this weekend. You got high, You got great offenses playing. Uh, two-plus touchdowns each, money in the bag, Sal. There you go. We did it. We did too much. That's going to do it. Make sure to follow the Lack of Hair Club for Men on X. Listen to us twice a week on Against the Lots. And after the break, it's much better than a royal wedding. It's the Royal Rumble. We've got last year's winner looking to do it again on Saturday. Cody Rhodes joins us next on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Let's bring in our guest. He's a good one. This Saturday night in Tampa Bay, this gentleman will be one of 30 entrants participating in the WWE's Royal Rumble, looking to win it for a second consecutive year. And then it's on to headlining WrestleMania. Can he finish the story? Odds makers say his chances are excellent. It's the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. What's happening, Cody? How are you? I uh, I thought you were about to say odds makers say it's not going to happen. And then <laughs> well, just throw it at me. But no, it's uh, <laughs> some of the odds are in my favor to go back to back at the Royal Rumble, 
which I'd be the first guy to win. And then the next year win again since Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that's, that's right. I read that. The yeah. hell of a name, you know, we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble. But first, I, I want to ask you about your sports fandom. Um, mm-hmm. You grew up in Marietta, Georgia. I know you're a big Bulldogs fan. But yeah. how did you become a Philadelphia Eagles fan? When I go, this is a major franchise, the Eagles. This is a Super Bowl-level franchise. And when I walked in there, they treated me like I was just the best. They treated me with such respect. They had a merch bag for my daughter. It was just really, really amazing. And when you're a guy who doesn't have an NFL team, you know, I have teams I like and people I like, but if you don't have a team – I just said then and there, yeah, this is this is going to be my crew. I'm going to go with these guys. And that's where the Eagles love came from. What do you think? Like, who gets it? Who finishes the story, in your words, between these four teams, would you say? The Detroit Lions is what I'd like to see. Here you have this team that just seems really, really connected to one another. I was watching the post-game interview the other day, and they just seem to really support one another. And that looks different than I feel like any other NFL team. I think they've got the best story. And they've got a lot of momentum, but it's the NFL playoffs. You've got Kansas City on the other side that has Patrick Mahomes. There's a level of talent. I don't know if Detroit is at that level, but I'd like to see him win. Definitely does follow the who's going to finish the story narrative that you put out there. All right, let's talk this Royal Rumble. You and CM Punk, you set the stage on Raw the other day. Uh, you got right in his face. You told him you're finishing the story. Now, odds makers... I teed this off in the beginning. They have him as a slight favorite over you to win this thing. Does that motivate you? It's definitely motivating knowing that here he is, CM Punk's return, and has not had a match in WWE since his return, and he's the favorite to win one of the most difficult matches. I think that's just, I don't want to say unfair because our world is naturally, it's not fair. It's sports entertainment. It's all those things, but it's definitely Mm -hmm. motivating. Uh, And last year being the favorite, I was the favorite, and then I was able to to, to win right. the Royal Rumble. It might be sweeter when you're not the favorite if you can do it again, you know? That's the way to do it as an underdog. Now, what will your approach be? Will it be any different from last year? Would you consider hiding under the ring or faking an injury? We've seen this. Guys fake an injury. They go to the locker room. They come back. It's like, oh, yeah, wait, he was never tossed over the top rope. Or, oh, yeah, there's Hornswago under the ring. We haven't seen him in an hour. No. I feel like you'll burn fewer calories. You'll be fresh. Be right there for the finale. I am not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not against any strategy. If you're going to do it, you really got to be out of sight, out of mind. You really got to be out of sight, out of mind. And then, like you said, they're burning calories. They're losing. They're 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 shredding water weight as they go. They're getting more fatigued. I'll probably take your advice again. An undefeated wrestler yourself, right? You yeah, know, you, you could do you worse than taking advice from me. Yeah. All right. You know what? We <laughs> maybe even don't even get this out because I don't want to now unleash a strategy that you may employ. That's uh, it's okay. Tip no, out. Let it, yeah. let it, let it fly. Let people know. Okay. Let it fly. <laughs> this, is a young, this is a young roster. Uh, yeah. Punk in that interview the other day said he'd done more rumbles than me. I don't think he realized I've done more rumbles than him. Right. He said, yeah, no, I, I've done more. And, uh, and for that, the being a young roster, maybe some inexperience, I'm, I, let them let them know exactly what I'm going to do. Let them know. Great. Okay. I love it. You're putting it all out there. Um, we talk about sports and we talk about football and it always, a lot of people love to complain about the refs and a lot of times they're right. I feel like whatever is your favorite sport, you hate the referees, right? Um, officiating in pro wrestling is the absolute worst. Now, I don't know if you get fined for agreeing with me, 
but it is terrible. Their backs are turned when the wrong guy is in the ring. They're not looking for foreign objects. Would you agree to a replay review system? Michael Cole puts the headsets on. They check in with New York. You get one challenge each. You see, did mm. he pull the tights? Was Cody Rhodes' foot on the rope when the, the referee slammed his hand down the third mm. time? Is this craziness or is it right there? that $5 billion for Netflix. I feel like you should be able to have replay review. Well, the instant replay is tricky, but if you qualify it, as you said, mm -hmm. with a challenge, the classic Bill Belichick disgustingly throwing down his, ch his challenge flag, that is rather intriguing. But if it's a situation like we've seen in football where every scoring play is reviewed, eh, no. I can get a little, they can get a little taxing. They can Slows get a, it down. A little, little tedious, but the idea of one challenge is actually a very good idea. One more thing. Earlier in the week, Mark, the 40-year uh, anniversary since Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik, gave birth to Hulkamania, one of the turning points in pro wrestling history, if not the turning point. But did your dad talk to you about matches? Would he have considered this a turning point? Or I imagine he was more like, no, no, no. You had to see me wrestle Flair. You had to see Piper. You had to see all the greats. I remember watching your dad, Georgia Championship Wrestling. What was his time period that he would stick? Like, no, no, no. That was the turning point. So my dad was very honest when I would watch. And I, I've seen some other second generations who maybe had a different experience where their dad was the best. And that's the end of the story. He looked at Hulkamania happening not as a turning point necessarily, but as a, a moment where if Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon, if these two guys together move forward at the rate they are, it changes everything. Now, because you ask about my dad, of course, like all dads do, he had spun this story to me when I was younger that he was supposed to be in the Hulk Hogan spot. And mm. he explained to me in 1978, him and Vince Jr., they went, they got some recording studio time. They were going to do a rock and wrestling thing. It sounded very much like a tall tale. It sounded very much like a tall tale, but it's your father, you know, he's very much proud of him and believed it. Years later, talking to Vince McMahon by the ring, tells me the exact same story and how mad he was at Dusty for not coming and not take, he understood him. He was a rebel. That's what he kept referring to, but he was so mad at him for not making that move. And I've even heard Jim Cornette in, in one of his podcasts talk about the what if, and it probably would have been too early, late, you know, late seventies. It, it, it kind of needed to be 83 to 85 with everything happening with WWF and MTV. I loved that the story had truth to it. That's great. And you, but what do you, what do you think it was with your dad's like, you just, his allegiance to the deep South and the, the territories and, and things like that. Or was there something else you think? I, I think it was loyalty to the current system in place. You know, the NWA, you had a governing body, you, yep. you, you worked with the other territories versus against them. And I think he didn't have the eye for what cable television mm -hmm. was going to be like. He didn't have the eye for, oh, this, the technology is changing. And what we're talking about now, we're moving Monday Night Raw to a streaming service. Right. WWE, Vince in particular, has always been right on the the cusp of the modern technology. And I don't think a lot of the old timer luminary wrestlers saw 
what was going to happen because if it wasn't Vince, somebody else was going to do it. You could watch Cody Rhodes, Royal Rumble, Peacock this Saturday night, live from Tampa. Follow him on, on X at Cody Rhodes. Cody, good luck. Hide under the ring unless you're claustrophobic. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm a not. Good I, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> going in. I'm looking to go back to back and I might take some of your, uh, your strategy with me. There you go. Good luck to you, Cody. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll be right back to wrap things up on Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. Hey, before we wrap things up, here's another parlay. Not same, but different game. Only a few games left. So let's swing for the fences here. Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. Have you heard of these guys? They're both going to score not once, but twice. And look at that payout over 20 to 1. You know you like it. Yes, get on board. Thanks again to Cody Rhodes. Good luck at the Royal Rumble. Thanks to the D3, especially Harry for keeping his shirt on. And most importantly, thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Please always remember, you may feel like an underdog, but just know you're all my favorites. Happy handicapping.